Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we ask for your help that we may walk in your ways and do nothing wrong. Oh Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to invigorate our hearts, to quicken us, so that we have ears to listen and put into practice the things that we hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of Philippians, and we took a break last week for a baptism, but we've been looking at Paul's letter, which he has written to the church in Philippi, and really it is a letter that we've seen is to his supporters. He's, as a missionary, he has been able to go with their financial support, their material support, which he's even mentioned, and he will mention further in the letter, and he has spoken initially about the joy that he has in remembering them in his prayers and how he thanks God for them. But he also has spoken about what he prays for them, that they would be able to discern what is best and so be pure and blameless and give glory and honour to God. And now that he has spoken to the church in Philippi about his prayers and how he feels towards them, he wants to talk a little bit about his personal circumstances. He wants to speak about what has happened to him, and we see that in verse 12. Verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Why would he want to share with his missionary supporters what is going on in his life? Well, because they love him. They care for him. Of course they want to know what is going on with him. Just as we have missionaries overseas, we love them, we care for them, and we want to know what they're up to. But also... He wants to share with them what is going on in his life, in particular, in particular because he is in some pain. He is in some form of suffering. What is that pain? Well, he is in prison. He is in prison. And so, of course, the people in Philippi who love him dearly, the Christians in Philippi, would be concerned about the fact that he is in prison and want to know how things are going whilst he is in prison. We know that he's in prison because he continues to mention his chains. Uh, Verse 7, we see in chapter 1, verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Then in verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am am in chains for Christ. And then verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. He's open and honest with the church in Philippi about the chains that he has around him because of his efforts to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Of course, the church in Philippi probably had word from other people uh, who were connected to Paul about the fact that Paul was in prison, and so they would be naturally concerned for him. So Paul then has this job to tell his supporters who he loves and who love him about what is going on with him, and he wants to give them some encouragement. He would want to give them some encouragement that he's okay. So what does he speak of? Does he speak of his living conditions, what the food is like in prison? Does he speak about how the court case is going, the progress of the legal case that is against him? Does he talk about his release? Does he talk about how soon he hopes to be released from prison? No, what does he speak about? Well, he speaks about the gospel. He speaks about the gospel. We read in verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He wants to speak about the gospel, and he wants them to know this. Uh, We see that in verse 12. I want you to know. If there's something that you take away from my letter, I want you to know that the gospel is what I'm concerned about. Why is he... So concerned about the gospel? Well, it's his number one priority in life, isn't it? Because the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for those who trust in him, that 
That gospel gives life to people and it gives glory to God. As people come to Christ Jesus, they give honour and glory to God for his mercy, for his power, for his grace extended to them. But how is the gospel going while Paul is in chains? Aren't Paul's wings clipped? Isn't it going to be that the gospel is really being hindered at this time while he's chained down? Won't many Christians be discouraged by the fact that he is in prison? And so they will stop preaching as well because they fear that they could next be the ones in chains? No, the opposite has happened, and Paul wants people to know this. He wants the church in Philippi to know that the gospel has instead advanced. Look with me at verse 12, verse 12 of chapter 1. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, the fact that I'm in chains, has really, emphasised there, that word really is there, really served to advance the gospel. Instead of the gospel being hindered, the gospel is actually being helped by Paul's chains. It's actually advancing. This Greek word that's there translated in our translation as advance the gospel, it means to forge ahead. It could even be used in in nautical language, so uh, with sailing, that a ship would forge ahead or to make progress. The gospel, instead of being hindered, is actually being helped. It's making progress. Now, how is this possible? How would the fact that Paul's wings being clipped, that he is chained down, mean that the gospel could advance? Well, Paul gives a couple of reasons. What's the first reason? Well, the gospel has been able to advance amongst the guards. Look with me at verse 13. As a result of him being in chains, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul is chained to guards. He may have been literally chained to them, but at least, even if he doesn't have chains on him, he's in some sort of prison cell, he'd be regularly having contact with the guards. What does that mean? Paul has a new community to share the gospel with. He's got a captive audience in that they have to keep coming back to him each day, or they may even, at some times, they would literally chain prisoners to the guards. So Paul is linked to these people. So what does he do? He explains to them the gospel. And it wouldn't be very hard for him to get onto the topic of the gospel because they would start to want to know, well, why are you here? And Paul, why is he in prison? It's because he's been speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he can make an easy segue from his chains to the gospel. I find this is one of the privileges of being a pastor. You meet someone new, after a bit in a conversation, they ask, what do you do? It's so easy for me to get onto the subject of the gospel. And Paul is saying, rather than the chains hindering me, they're actually helping advance the gospel as I try to make it known because I have this new audience, this new community that I wouldn't have had access to if I wasn't chained up to them. And it's so easy for me to speak to them about the gospel. They know that I am in chains because of the gospel. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. That's one way that Paul sees that his chains are advancing the gospel. What's another way? Well, his chains have encouraged Christians outside the prison to evangelise the world as well. We see that in verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Because Paul continues to preach the gospel while he's in chains, the brothers outside 
the prison, are encouraged that if Paul can do it, if he can share the gospel while he is in chains, I can surely share the gospel while I am outside of those chains. They recognise that if Paul can do it, I can do it too. And so because of Paul's chains, or as the ESV actually has, by my imprisonment, the gospel has been able to advance in the prison, but also outside the prison as brothers are encouraged that I should be sharing the gospel too if Paul is sharing the gospel even whilst in chains. So Paul's chains aren't weighing him down at all. Instead, what are his chains like? His chains are like chains on a chainsaw. He's actually advancing the gospel. Those chains are spinning around and advancing the gospel wherever he is. Whether it be in prison or outside of prison, he is going to make the gospel known. And those chains have actually advanced the gospel, not hindered the gospel. As Paul has been able to share the good news of Jesus Christ whilst in chains, heavier chains are being cut. What am I talking about? Well, what does the gospel do? It cuts those chains that are heavier than any chains that people can put upon us in this world. What are those chains? Chains of sin, chains of Satan, chains of death, chains of the judgment that is to come. And Paul is in those chains, those physical chains. As he's in those chains, he is able to cut chains of others. And people outside the prison are able to cut chains of others as those heavy chains of sin and judgment and death and Satan. So Paul in his chains, is actually seeing the gospel advance, that people are being helped by the fact that he is suffering. It's kind of like Joseph in the Old Testament. Lots of people like to draw a parallel here with Paul and Joseph. Joseph was chained and bound up and taken down to Egypt and lived in Egypt in prison. But what happened while Joseph was in Egypt? If you know the story in Genesis, if you don't, go and have a read of it this afternoon. It's one of the most gripping stories in all of the Bible, reading about Joseph and what happens to him with his brothers, but also whilst he's in Egypt. What ends up happening? He ends up preparing away. Those chains become a chainsaw, preparing away, cutting away in Egypt for the prosperity of Joseph's family, the people of God. We read that in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5. Turn back with me there where we looked at before, where Ben read for us. Genesis chapter 45. Joseph makes himself known to his brothers who are quite distressed about the fact. And what does he say in verse 5? Verse 5 of Genesis 45. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, for putting me in chains, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Joseph's chains looked like the most horrible thing, but what was God doing? He was using those chains that were on Joseph as a chainsaw to cut away for the people of God to be saved and preserved during the famine that was to come. So wouldn't this be the encouraging thing that the people in Philippi need to hear as they're concerned for their friend? He could talk about his living conditions, the food's all right. He could talk about his court case, he's looking promising, I might be released soon. But wouldn't it be far better to talk about how the gospel is advancing? Because, of course, that's the highest good that the church in Philippi should be focused upon as well. The gospel's advance due to chains. And isn't this encouraging for us today as well? Why? Well, without making light of the Apostle Paul's chains, 
those physical sufferings that he experienced, we struggle with our own chains as well, don't we? We have our own chains. What chains? Well, we can feel chained to our family, can't we? Chained to parents, chained to children, once you are parents, sometimes feel like, oh, are these kids ever going to move out? Are they ever going to be uh, easy to deal with? But I feel chained to them, I can't walk away. We're chained to brothers and sisters. That connection keeps being there, no matter how difficult that person is. We feel like we still have to have some connection with that person. We're chained to financial concerns, and so chained to a job. I'd love to leave my job, people say, but I've got to stay in it. We're chained to a classroom. We're chained to a suburb. You'd love to live somewhere else, but you just can't afford it. And so you're stuck in that place. Feels like you're chained down. Or you're chained to a weak body, a feeble mind. You may be chained to some sort of sickness that keeps recurring or is a chronic condition for you. We may feel chained to our government. Not with handcuffs, not with the kinds of chains that the Apostle Paul struggled with with his government, but we can feel restricted, and I think now more so than ever before. We feel chained by our government. So we ask, where can we find joy whilst in chains? Or is the joy that we seek will only come when the chains are lifted? Well, Paul says, if you want to find joy, find it in watching the gospel advance. Watch the gospel advance. Now, where can we see the gospel advance? Well, we can watch the gospel advance in our own lives because of the chains that connect us to other people. Because of the chains that we have in our lives, we're connected to those people, we have an opportunity to see the gospel advance in their lives. You feel chained to your family. But who will talk to your family about the Lord Jesus Christ if you bail on them? Who will talk to them about the Lord Jesus if you bail on them? Who will witness to other workers in your workplace or to students in your university or your school if you have financial freedom and you can leave? Who will witness in the hospital room if you get better and don't need to be there any longer? And where will the opportunities be to speak about God to fearful people if government restrictions lift because of COVID? Don't you have more opportunities to speak about the gospel during the government restrictions than you have outside the government restrictions? Haven't you been locked more into your suburbs so you have to get to know your neighbours even more than you did before? And you have an easy way to talk about what's going on. You have topical conversation with them. It's so easy to talk to neighbours at the moment because there's so much to talk about. And it's easy then to talk about the Lord and how we trust in him. If the government restrictions, the chains that are upon us, they lift. Where will those opportunities be? So one way that we can have joy even in the chains that we have is to see the gospel advance in our lives. But what's another way that we can see the gospel advance and have joy because of our chains? Well, if we continue to witness, despite the chains that we feel, we feel in the family, we feel in the workplace, we feel in sickness, we feel with government restrictions, if we continue to speak about the Lord Jesus in such chains, doesn't that encourage others? Encourage others to speak whilst in their chains, just like we saw with the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, we saw that he has been able to witness to the entire Roman guard that is around him, but it's also emboldened others to fearlessly, to fearlessly make known the gospel to others, to be courageous and fearless in sharing the good news. Doesn't that happen when we do the same? 
If you witness to your family and someone hears about it, even if your family is very difficult to witness to, aren't they encouraged if he can do it, I can do it too? And if you witness in the workplace, in a difficult workplace, or in a different educational setting, and others hear about it, aren't they encouraged to think, well, if he can do it, I can do it too? And so there's this joy that we can get in the midst of our chains, in the midst of our sufferings, because we see the gospel advancing because of those chains, the way that we're locked into particular situations, and we see that others are encouraged to do the same in their similar prisons. So what should be the greatest concern for us as we feel chained down at times and we feel the chains are so heavy? Would it be the release of those chains? No, what should be the greatest concern that we have? It's seeing the gospel advance as we get to witness to others and people even become Christians as a result. We get to watch the Spirit use our chains as a chainsaw to advance the gospel in the lives of those that we're chained to, cutting the heaviest chains of the people around us, who if we left, they'd be still stuck in the chains of sin and death and judgment and under Satan's bondage. Instead, they can be released because we're stuck to them. And while we're stuck, we share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And then, of course, we also see others encouraged to witness fearlessly because we continue to do so as well, to turn their chains into chainsaws. So do we want to see joy in our lives? Do we want our joy increased and we want to see God glorified? Well, are we willing to turn our chains into chain sores? Like Paul, are we willing to share the gospel with people whom we're chained to? Are we willing to share the gospel so that others are encouraged to evangelise to the people they're chained to? Now, you may say, oh, I can't. It's so hard. My chains are so heavy. How can I do so? I can't share the gospel with those that I'm chained to. They're too big a weight around me. Those people in the workplace, they have no interest in Jesus Christ. I can't do it. I need to be free from them if I'm able to share the gospel. I need to do it in other areas where I'm released from the chains of those around me. Well, if you feel so weak, what should you do? Well, you should trust in God's sovereignty. You should trust in God. God knows best. The best place for you to be is wherever you are right now. If there was a better place, God would put you there. And so those chains that you want to be released from, those people you want to be released from, so you can get on with life and do great things for God, they're exactly the people God wants you to be witnessing to. He's, they're the ones that he wants you to share the gospel with, just like he wanted Paul to share with the Roman guard there and share with the government authorities as he goes before them. You read in the end of the book of Acts as he gets to witness in courtrooms to the highest authorities in their provinces. He gets to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the case for us as too. You may say, my chains are so heavy, though. You don't know my family, Joel. You don't know my workplace, Joel. You don't know the other students. You don't know my suburb, Joel. Well, we have to remember that strong chains are ultimately pulled by a strong motor God himself. The most intense sufferings can often advance the gospel the greatest. It's often the case when you suffer most, the gospel advances even more so. The weakest efforts get the most power from the Holy Spirit because you lean heavily upon him and it gives him greater glory as you depend upon him. So first thing you should do if you feel, I'm too weak, my chains are too heavy, I feel too inadequate, first thing you should do is trust more that God knows best by putting you 
in those chains. But what else should you do? Well, surround yourself with Christians who witness in their chains. Because that's how people are encouraged, isn't it, in verse 14, that they, how do people become encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly? It's by looking at the Apostle Paul and seeing his witnessing efforts. So if you want to be encouraged to speak the word of God more boldly and courageously, what should you do? You should look at people like the Apostle Paul. You should observe others who take advantage of their chains and use their chains to advance the gospel. How do you do that? Well, read biographies of Christians in church history. People who witnessed under heavy chains. You can read of such people in books like Fox's Book of Martyrs, which talks about the early church uh, right down through to the Reformation period, about those who witnessed even up to the point of death. But even modern missionaries, I've got uh, two books here that I can show you. Uh, one is Corrie Ten Boom's The Hiding Place. Uh, she was a, a, a Dutch uh, prisoner uh, in the Nazi Germany, and, uh, and so she continued to witness in the prisoner camps. Uh, prisoner, she wasn't a prisoner of war, uh, well, she was a political prisoner, and she continued to witness to the women that she was placed with and even to the guards. And then one of my favourite books that I've only come across more recently is uh, the one by Darlene Debler-Rose, Evidence Not Seen, and how she witnessed in Papua New Guinea as a missionary uh, during World War II as well. Um, these kinds of books, when you read of these women... They encourage you that even the heaviest of chains can be used to advance the gospel. But you can also read of men and women of faith in the Bible, of course. You should be looking at the Apostle Paul. But Apostle Paul is not the only one. If you want to know people who persevered under great trial, well, just look up Hebrews chapter 11, which has a long list of all people who lived by faith from the Old Testament. If you don't know who certain ones are, go to the Old Testament. Look them up. Look up Abraham. Look up who he was and what he did with the faith that God granted him. And how else can you look at people? How else can you surround yourself with Christians who will encourage you to speak the word of God boldly and fearlessly? Well, chain yourself to a local church. Chain yourself to a local church of people who share the good news of Jesus Christ in their chains. Chain yourself to a church where the minister preaches the gospel every week who shares the gospel every week, no matter how difficult conditions may be, whatever circumstances he's going through, he continues to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you think, if he can do it, I can do it too. Chain yourself to a church where members evangelise in whatever situation they're in, in their workplace, in their families. You see them doing it. You see them doing it even at churches. New people come in. The Christians that are there overcome the chains that they may feel, the inadequacies, the weakness they may have, and they go up and talk to the new people and speak to them. If your church is ashamed of the gospel, well, then it's not surprising if you'll be ashamed of the gospel and won't be courageous and fearless in sharing the word of God. And how else can we surround ourselves with good examples of those who suffered in chains for the advance of the gospel? Well, who is the greatest sufferer for the gospel? Who suffered the most for the advance of the gospel? Who gives us the greatest courage? Who? It's Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Was Jesus chained? Yes, yes, yes. How was Jesus chained? Well, firstly, if we consider the Son of God himself chained himself to a frail, weak human body. Even the best of bodies are frail and weak compared to when we consider the power of God. But he chained himself, the Son of God chained himself to a weak human body in the incarnation. The Son of God was chained to a fickle family, 
Read about his family, his brothers in the, in the gospel and his mother. He was chained to fickle disciples. You can read about them in the gospels as well. He was chained to a fickle nation who actually ended up crucifying him. He was chained literally. He was bound and arrested. He was nailed to a cross. He was chained to a wooden cross. And then he was chained down by the weight of the sins of his people and the wrath of God, the heaviest of all chains, was poured out down upon him. And then he was chained to death and to the grave, the humiliation of dying and being buried. But what happened? What happened? All Christ's chains served the advance of the gospel. Look with me at verse 12. The Apostle Paul says this about himself. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Think of Jesus. Couldn't Jesus say that even more so than the Apostle Paul? Let me read it again. Think of Jesus saying this. Jesus says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, my crucifixion, my death, my burial, has really served to advance the gospel. It is actually because of my sufferings that the gospel has advanced. Not in spite of my sufferings, but because of my sufferings, the gospel has advanced. How? Well, because of Christ's sufferings, his chains that were poured out upon him, that he had to bear, then the heaviest of all chains got to be cut. The chains of sin and death and judgment, the chains that Satan puts upon us. Christ's sufferings actually served him, served him, rather than he served those chains. Those chains actually made the gospel and advanced the gospel even to today as people are saved and God is glorified. And of course, what else did Christ's sufferings do? Well, it encouraged people to speak boldly and courageously and fearlessly. Look with me at verse 14. The Apostle Paul says it about himself. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now think of the Lord Jesus can he say that about his chains? Verse 14, read it again. Think of Jesus. Because of my chains, my, my sufferings, my death, my burial, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Can't that be said of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why did the apostles, the martyrs, the Christians, the missionaries, Christians today, why do they speak courageously about the good news of Jesus Christ was because they know that the Lord Jesus was willing to suffer for the advance of the gospel with far heavier chains than we will ever experience. So, of course, we can share the good news of Jesus Christ in our chains, our light and momentary chains in comparison to the heaviest of all chains of sin and wrath and the death that we deserve put upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So do you want to witness more so that you have more joy and so that God is glorified by the advance of the gospel? Do you want that? What should you do? Immerse yourself in Jesus Christ. Immerse yourself in Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ before now, if you've never trusted in him to pay your sins at the cross, do so now. Why? So that you're in union with him. 
So you're united with him. Why? Well, then you will get no greater joy and glory for God than if you come to him. You need to trust in him so that the greatest of all joys can be experienced and the glory can be given to God and so that the heaviest of all chains can be lifted from you of sin, of the death that you deserve for eternity in hell and of the judgment of God and so you can be set free from Satan. Come to him now. Trust in him. And then, as Christians, we all need to surround ourselves with other Christians who advance the gospel in their chains. But didn't I say we need to immerse ourselves in Christ? Well, that's what we do when we surround ourselves with other Christians, isn't it? What are other Christians? They're the body of Christ. They're the body of Christ. And so when we surround ourselves with the Apostle Paul and other martyrs of the church and missionaries, and even in a local church, we surround our people, ourselves with those people who continue to witness despite their chains, we're seeing Christ's witness in those sufferings that his people are experiencing as his body. And then, of course, we surround ourselves with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. As we read his word, we read the Gospels again and again. We read the epistles which speak about the Lord Jesus. We read about the, old, in, about the Lord Jesus in the Old Testament as well. We read books that explain the Bible to us and bring Jesus clearly forth from it for us to understand. And we read, of course, about his work ongoing in church history. So what's the most important thing for us right now? What's the most important thing for you in your life right now? What's the number one priority? Is it financial freedom? So you can leave your family, you can leave your neighbourhood, you can leave your job, but everything will be okay. Is it freedom from sickness, from viruses? Is that the number one priority in your life right now? Freedom from government and government restrictions. Get out of Australia as soon as they let me leave. Is that your number one priority at the moment? Let's get rid of these chains. Get rid of the chains of financial burdens, of family around me, of this government that is so oppressive. No. What is the number one priority for us as Christians? What was the number one priority for Paul? As he speaks about his situation, what does he gravitate to first and foremost? The advance of the gospel. Why? Because with the advance of the gospel, we get true joy. With the advance of the gospel, we give glory to God. Let's view the chains of life, whether it be family, work, sickness, government. Let's view them as ways that the Lord advances the gospel. Not hinders the gospel, but actually advances the gospel. Do we believe, as Christians, that the gospel can advance because of COVID-19? Because of COVID-19, the gospel's advancing. Do we believe that the gospel can advance because of the chains of government restrictions? Because of government restrictions, the gospel will advance. We think churches are shut. Oh, no, the gospel cannot advance. But God is sovereign. The gates of hell will never prevail against him building his church. So right now, what is the way that God wants the gospel to advance? It's through shutting churches. The gospel is still advancing because of government restrictions. And we can see it if we'll simply open our eyes and look at the way that people are hearing about the Lord Jesus in ways that they wouldn't have heard if the churches hadn't been shut in New South Wales right now. 
We think that the best possible thing would be for Paul to be released. People will hear the gospel if Paul is released. Paul says, no, the gospel is advancing because I'm not released. And shouldn't we have the same attitude to the things, the chains that God puts upon us as well? God hasn't been caught unaware of our chains. God is sovereign. God has put the chains upon us. We think the government's put them on us. But no, the premiers haven't caught God unaware. The Prime Minister hasn't caught God unaware. God is using them to advance the gospel. We just need to open our eyes and see it. How do we see God using chains more clearly? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us some advice that reiterates some of the things I've said this morning. Look with me now at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Towards the end of the New Testament... One of the last letters of Paul in the, in the canon, so to speak, the order of the books of the Bible there, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. What are we supposed to remember as we suffer in our chains? Paul says in verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. He is suffering, being chained like a criminal. He says, what do we remember? We remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. And then what does he say in the second part of verse 9, second sentence there? But God's word is not chained. God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So let's stop grumbling about our chains. And I'm guilty of this as well. It's so easy when a neighbour asks me over the fence, how's it going, Joel? So, oh, well, you know, struggling along, plodding along, doing my best, waiting for the restrictions to lift. It's so easy to grumble and complain about our chains. And it may not just be government restrictions. You may want to complain about your family, you may want to complain about the workplace. It's so easy. I remember being in a workplace where... Everybody was just negative about everything. So easy to grumble and see the workplace as the heaviest of chains that has been put upon us. But as Christians, our chains are incredibly light. And we should know this. Our chains are incredibly light. Christ has cut the heaviest of all chains, of sin and death and the judgment that we deserve. Our chains are incredibly light and they're actually being used of God to advance, advance the gospel. So instead of grumbling, let's watch Christ Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Christ Jesus and the way he suffered and the way his body suffers around us as a people of God. And let's watch the Holy Spirit use our chains as a chain saw to advance the gospel, to cut new inroads for the gospel so that people hear the Lord Jesus hear of the Lord Jesus and trust in him and have eternal life and have the chains cut from them and that God is then glorified because of the chains that we have. There's an old saying that says, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I've got a new saying for Christians. When God gives us chains, let's make chain saws. When God gives us chains, let's make chain saws. Use those chains to cut new channels 
so that people hear the good news of Jesus Christ and are saved and we have joy in our hearts as we see it happening and give honour and glory to God. Let's come to him now in prayer. Let's come to him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the sovereign God who has all power and all dominion and the one who uses chains to advance the gospel, not hinder it. We thank you for the chains of Jesus Christ, that his chains saved us who believe in him, that he was chained to a human body and still is, that he was chained to a fickle family, fickle disciples, fickle nation, that he was chained literally and bound and taken to a cross where he was pinned and then by nails and then pinned by our sin and pinned by your judgment being poured out upon him and then he was pinned down by death and buried. Oh Lord, we thank you that through these chains that we have been set free from sin, from death, from Satan and even from your wrath. Lord, we ask then that you would forgive us for the restlessness that we feel in the chains that we experience, the chains of being connected to family, to people around us who we feel are so negative and so harmful to us, or workplaces, other students around us, or even to a weak and feeble body, to sicknesses. We feel chained down by our government. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for feeling so restless in them. Help us to trust in you and trust in Jesus Christ and his sufferings and look at his sufferings and how they advance the gospel. And so, Lord, we pray that we would welcome whatever chains you put upon us so that we speak your word fearlessly and boldly and we get to have the joy of seeing the gospel advance despite our chains and because of our chains and bring others to life eternal and to give you glory. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.